0: father's house our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of jesus christ we would like to thank you for joining us today as we study god's word now let's join pastor justin selfish desires you become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. That's pretty plain spoken, ain't it? Amen. Uh, So this morning, again, we wanna talk about the release of healing virtue. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word and what you've done already in this house, what you've done this weekend at the Youth Retreat, God, for every life that was saved and renewed, God, we just praise you for it. And Father, uh, we just ask that you would just release a special anointing upon this word to minister your word to your people, God. Father, I pray, let it not be on the enticing words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of the love and power of your Holy Spirit, God. Minister through me today. And God, let people be touched and changed and challenged by the word. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. So, um, again, I want to talk about the release of healing virtue, and we want to talk about as James chapter 4 It gives some reasons that we read in 4 of unanswered prayers, and some of the things I'm going to talk about this morning, we want to touch on from last week as a little bit of review, and we want to go deeper on some stuff, but James chapter 4, the Bible says, that, the, or, that teaches us, as we read in James 4, that the root of unanswered prayer is that there's a war going on inside the body of Christ based on lust. That there is a lustful agenda that is there. The root of division will always be lust. A lust for power, a lust for popularity, a lust for attention. And man, a lust to be seen, a lust to be heard, a lust to be known, a lust for somebody, right? That the root of division is lust. And so in other words, when you pray not out of a love for God or people, but you pray out of a lust for, uh, for the things that you desire rather than the presence of God, he said that's unanswered prayers. You will never get what you need from God or what you want from God if you're not first delighted in him. Amen. We do not have because we ask from a place of lust rather than love. We desire to have things where we desire from a place, the Bible says, even as James 4 says, of murder. You know what the Bible teaches us? It says if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And it also says that if you have an offense with your brother in your heart, you've murdered them in your heart. Right? So when you carry offenses and you pray and you've got offenses in your heart, the Bible says that you are murdering them from your heart. That's one of the Ten Commandments. I don't know about you, but the Bible says murderers can't make it into the kingdom of God. Amen. There's got to be repentance. There's got to be healing. There's got to be freedom. That doesn't mean because you did something and had carried an offense at one point in your heart that you can never be forgiven. No. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is everlasting. And his blood is more than enough. Can anybody say amen? But the problem is, is that when we carry these offenses and we pray, sometimes we pray out of the offense rather than the will of the Father. Amen. And so when we do that, God will not hear us when we pray. We ask you do not receive because we ask amiss. We ask with corrupt motives. We pray badly, diseased, evil, and sickly prayers. It's like the Pharisee standing, ta- standing next to the tax collector when he prayed and said, Father, I thank you that I'm not like so-and-so, that I'm not like the adulterer or the murderer or even this so-called tax collector beside me. And I pray and I fast and I give my offering and tithe. That's a corrupt and diseased and sickly prayer. Amen. Now your prayer may be about healing a sickness. But when you offer these weak prayers that require no faith to God, God doesn't hear them. God's going to hear prayers that has to require your faith. God will put a mandate on your faith so that you pray for something that you cannot do within yourself. And when your prayer is about belittling something or someone else and lifting yourself up in pride, God will never honor it. God will never answer it. God will never bless it. Amen. We never ask and, and we, and because we are distracted with warring in our flesh. We have not because we ask not and we don't ask because we're warring in our flesh. When you pray fleshly pl- prayers rather than from your spirit, I don't believe God is able to hear us when we pray. This lust is having a spiritual affair. The Bible says in James 4, an unholy relationship with the world. And it poses us as God's enemy. These crippling prayers of lust and perversion is the result of a band-aid Christianity. What do I mean by that? What I mean is we have marks and we have scars and we want to cover them up. But deep down we've got wounds inside that we don't want anybody or anything to touch. Amen. The problem is, is that the body of Christ and churches and church leadership have come to a place where they tolerated stuff. What you tolerate will kill you. I said, what you tolerate will kill you. You can take headache medicine to help with your headache, but if the source of that headache is the stress you're going through, that little headache medicine ain't going to touch it. Come on, somebody. We want to deal with the symptoms, but we don't want to deal with the root of the problem. Until you get to the root of your situation, nothing's going to change. We just want to put a band-aid on it. You try to tolerate it. You just want to tolerate through life. You want to tolerate sin here and there. You want to tolerate what the enemy does here and there. When God says, I've given you the authority of the kingdom. I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose upon earth will be loosed in heaven. Don't you understand that as a son and a daughter that we have the backing of heaven when we pray but it's not praying out of lust but it's praying with the authority that god has given us we've got authority in the kingdom of god amen revelation chapter 2 verses 18 through 29 We'll talk about the release of healing here in just a second, but I feel like we needed to talk about some stuff because you block off the release of healing when you tolerate things in the body of Christ. Amen. So, Revelation chapter two, verses eighteen through twenty-nine, Jesus begins to speak. These words are written in red in Revelation chapters two and three because it signifies that Jesus was talking to the church. And the Bible says, "Under the angel or the pastor of the church at Thyatira, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like furnished bronze." You know what that means? That means that Jesus sees everything. Right? When Jesus introduced himself to a church, he introduced himself to who he was in relation to that church. They had a different manifestation and representation of who Jesus was. And so he said, I know your deeds and your love, your faith, service, and perseverance. And that your deeds of, of later greater than those of the first. But I have something against you that you tolerate this woman called Jezebel. Who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray and they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent and she does not want to repent of her immorality. You know what that means? That's God's patience. But don't ever confuse God's patience with tolerance. Amen. Hear people say, "Well, well, the Lord needs to repent of what He did to Solomon Gomorrah." If He sees uh, what's going on in the United States and what's going on in California, I could promise you there's more than two people saved in California. But God gives us patience. He gives patience, right? Time to repent. And he said, Behold, I will throw Jezebel in a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her in a great tribulation, until they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. You see those eyes of flame of fire going to work because he searches our minds. He searches our hearts. And I will give each of you according to his deeds. But I say to the rest who are in thy tire, who do not hold this teaching, who have known the things of Satan, and as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast to I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds into the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with the rod of iron and the vessels of the potter that are broken to pieces. As I've received authority from my father, behold, I will give him the morning star, who he who has an earl let him, hear what the Spirit says unto the church. In other words, what you tolerate can destroy you. But if you tolerate it, you'll be blinded to what God has in, ahead of you. Do you understand that God told this church, I will give you the authority over the nations of the world. I will give you nations in your hand, but I'll never give you nations until you stop tolerating. Wow. Yeah. Quiet. Can anybody does anybody hear what the Lord's wanting to say? What you tolerate, that little sin, that little it's the it's the foxes that spoil the vine. It's the small things that can get you, right? That can entrap you. He said, if you tolerate that stuff, it'll manifest itself and bring a a disease in the church. And so we as a people have to repent for the things we tolerate. I believe that God wants us to stop putting band-aids and covering things and dusting things under a rug. I believe God wants us to repent for the things that we've done wrong. The things that we permitted. By our silence, it demonstrates our approval. Hallelujah. You guys with me this morning. Hallelujah. What we tolerate can destroy us. What we are silent on demonstrates our approval. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 19 through 20 teaches what tolerance leads people to. For you being so wise, tolerate. The fool, the foolish gladly. This is actually verse, yeah, verse 19 through 20. For if you tolerate it, if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say we've been weak by comparison. Paul was telling the church of Corinth that your toleration will show your enslavement. It will show that that thing will devour you. It will show that thing will take advantage of you. It will show that it will exalt you. And as a matter of fact, it will show it will just hit you and smack you in the face. And you will have nothing to do with it. By what you tolerate. We got to be careful what we tolerate. Hallelujah. Be careful what we tolerate. Be careful what we put a band-aid on. We've got to Repent. Because I believe if we look at the church as a whole, there's an affair going on. And that affair is called compromise. I'm not talking about lots in the church. This isn't compromise. Our hearts is what's compromised. I could care less if anyone steps in this church and thinks that this looks like a club. I've heard people say that. That looks like a club. It looks like a rock concert. Really, you ought to hear the concert going on in heaven right now. Amen. It's nonstop worship up there. You talk about lights up there? All these jewels in the gates? Come on. All the jewels on the walls, the the blue, the green, the purple. (laughs) And and God's the light of that city reflecting off all the walls. I think this looks a lot better than dead and dry religion, don't you? Amen. I'm just being honest. I'm just talking about the Word of God, right? This is Word, right? Just look up the jewels and all their colors. I think we need to get off what we see in our natural eyes and start seeing with our spiritual eyes. Because if we allow, if we become worship centric on worshiping the worship rather than focusing on God, then we have some tolerance in our life that we need to repent of. If we are quick to walk by somebody and not love people and not greet them and not welcome them and we're clicked up so much that we can't love people We've tolerated hate in our lives. Hallelujah. we got to be careful what we tolerate. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. Uh, and I can, tell you, I can tell you this. Tolerance can lead you to a place of accusation. Right, What you tolerate will lead to a place of accusation. Here's Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. I love this. It ties in with that song they were singing earlier. It says, And when there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, talking about Satan and his angels, and prevailed not, and neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Would it be awful to be at a place where there was no room for you in heaven? Right. This is speaking of Satan. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, Satan, which deceives the world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation, strength, and the kingdom of God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused him before our God day and night. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives, even unto death. What What is this in relation to? Because the enemy will bring accusations against you for the sins that you've committed. What we've tolerated will always lead to accusation. The enemy is no doubt accusing day and night, right? And I cannot I tell you this is that when you operate in a spirit of accusation towards other people, you, you are clothing yourself with Satan's mantle. And you get to a place that there's really no room for you in heaven, Because if Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is cast down and God says, there's no place for you. There is no room for accusation. There's no room for condemnation. There's no room for criticism. When we need to search our own hearts. You guys with me this morning? Y'all quiet on me. We awake. Amen. Amen. Accuser of the brethren. But this is what the word says. He said the accuser was cast down out of heaven because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is exactly why we can't have any room to tolerate things. The blood of Jesus is why we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to work for it. But what Jesus did on the cross was enough to bring Satan's accusations down. That ought to make someone excited. Because some of you may have been dead, but condemning yourself from things that's happened years ago. Things when you were a child. Things from years ago. And, and, and different things that could have went on. But can I tell you that the blood of Jesus is against those accusations. Hallelujah. So I encourage you to not walk in accusation, but walk in encouragement. Not walk in condemnation, but walk with conviction. Hallelujah. Because this is a demonstration of the power of God. And he said, you overcome him by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. It is releasing with our words what Jesus did on the cross. It's releasing with our words the victory we have in him. It's releasing with our words the healing that we have in him. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I love the next part. It says, because they love their not their lives, even unto death. We're all martyrs for Christ. Because we've already died to sin. We're already alive. The Bible says eternal life is knowing God. Anybody know God? Anybody have a relationship with him? Because when you do, it's saying that's where eternal life begins. Right? We're not robbed of death. We have life in Jesus. Amen. Everything that failed in the garden, Jesus restored to us on the cross. Amen. Healing, salvation, authority, victory. Amen. And so we can have victory and overcome this morning. So I want to encourage you guys to not walk in the spirit of accusation towards other people and not to tolerate things as the body of Christ. We need to repent for sins that go on in our city that we know about. Amen. You say, well, I didn't vote that person in and I didn't do this. No, it's still our city. What we tolerated can destroy, but repentance wins the attention of God corporate prayer and repentance wins the attention of God. But we can't put band-aids on stuff and cover stuff up and dust things under a rug and things to be okay. And this is where we get into the healing process. We've got to have exposure before there's healing. Right? If you say, I feel bad, but I'm scared to death to go to the doctor. How do you expect to get to feeling any better? (laughs) Right? Well... You know, I'm afraid what that doctor is going to say when he looks at uh, this place, on my face, on my body, right? I'm scared what they're going to say. Well, you're never going to get to the root of the problem and find out what's going on unless you get, go to the doctor. Right? Hallelujah. Same thing. You can try to cover things up, but until you expose it and let the light of God shine on it, you can never find healing for it. So we got to stop putting Band-Aids on stuff. Can anybody say Amen. I believe it's God's will to heal people. There's five principles that we read about in Scripture when we believe in God for healing. And I believe this is physically, I believe this is emotionally, and I believe this is spiritually. Five principles. You ready? Number one, faith. We've got to pray with faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. We talked about this last week. When you speak the word long enough, you're strung with doubt, you speak God's word, it builds your faith. It builds your faith to pray for things. When you read and hear the testimonies of God healing different people, has anybody been healed? Raise your hand. You have been touched by the Lord before. Anybody at all? We all have. Most of us have, right? Some of us don't even realize we have. God's protected us from stuff we may never know till we step to the other side. God may have touched us from things we may never know or never understand. But I can tell you this, testimony, experience, and the word of God will always build faith. Sharing To each other, what God's done for us, where God saved us, where God brought us from, is enough to encourage and build faith. Experience is enough to build faith. Knowing that you've experienced the healing presence and touch of God is enough to build faith. I can tell you this, pointing to areas of doubt in your life will never bring healing. Pointing out areas of doubt will never bring healing. If there's an area of doubt in your heart, you got to feed it with faith. Got to feel with faith. Well, I doubted that God would heal me of of cancer. Well, you know what? How do you expect God to do that then? How do you expect God to do that until you get that doubt built up with faith? You know what doubt is? Doubt is a negative faith. That's all it is. When they doubted Jesus to calm the storm, when they, doubted Je- when they doubted themselves, when they doubted the presence of God with them, and Jesus did it for them. He said, why? why did you doubt? You know what doubt is? It's a negative faith. It's saying I have more faith in the storm than I do Jesus. That's all doubt is. It's placing more emphasis on something else, right? If I doubted someone else to do something, and so I asked another person to do it, it says I have more faith in them, but I doubted them. Amen. So doubt is a negative faith. Doubt and unbelief are totally different things. Doubt has the potential of faith. Unbelief says there's no way, no how. That's why when Jesus, there were certain places Jesus went to and did very few miracles. Jesus did very few miracles in the city of Nazareth because they had so much unbelief. So he went from synagogue to synagogue, teaching the word, hoping that the word would build their faith so they could receive what was destined and promised to them. Hallelujah. You guys with me? Amen. We've got to build our faith. We, we've got to build our faith. The Bible says in Jude 20 that you can build up your mo- most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in a heavenly language, praying in faith, praying the word of God, praying and following his spirit. Romans twelve three. the Bible says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion, not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement. And then when you see the true value with an appropriate self-esteem, the King James says that everyone is dealt a measure of faith. Everybody has faith in this room. When the alarm sounds, you have enough faith that when you swing your feet over the, across the bed and put it on the floor that you're going to be able to stand up. You have enough faith that the floor is still there because you've walked on that floor. You've experienced that floor. You know that floor is going to still be there. Now, some of you may roll off the bed and fall on the floor, but you still have enough faith the floor is going to catch you, right? You got enough faith that when you put the key in the ignition, your vehicle is going to start. Well, some of you do. Maybe, depending on what you're driving, right? Got enough faith that you got the key. You got everything that you need because you've experienced before. It might be just a little measure of faith. You may be 90% doubt and 10% faith as we said last Sunday. But if you release the 10%, it can still move mountains. It can still make mountains move. You can have a big tree, but every big tree starts with a seed. Your faith is equal to a seed. Your faith will always be equal to a seed because I have the potential of becoming a tree. Yeah. Hallelujah. Guys with me. Second principle is sin blocks healing. Sin blocks healing. Let's, see, Church Corinth example. They were not being healed. In fact, they were getting sick because they were taking communion unworthily. The Bible says they're bringing sickness on themselves. Communion is a, is a covenant of healing. And so they were taking it unworthy, unworthily. And so, in other words, they became sick. Whatever is not a faith is sin. If you let things hinder your faith and you take things unworthy before God, listen, it brings sickness to your body. Right, Sin can block healing. But I believe that God can heal and save people at the same time. He said, pray for the sick and they shall recover. And if they have any sin, it shall be forgiven them. Right? It's the scripture. Number three, number three pr- the third principle of healing is to become anointed. To be an anointed person. In other words, when you get with Jesus, you're walking his anointing. Because Jesus is anointed. When you walk with Jesus, you'll be healed. When you walk with Jesus, you'll have victory. You have the authority to release healing. And you may never, you may not see that manifestation for days, weeks, months, or years. But can I tell you, you have the backing of heaven when you pray with faith. Right? Pray with confidence and speak to the condition that you're facing when you're speaking and praying for people to be healed or even healing in your life. But when you do that, just remember, you don't have to rev yourself up, but just know that Jesus is with you. Jesus is anointed. His word is anointed. There's some days you may not feel anointed. You may not feel anointed this morning, but guess what? God's word is still true. Amen. He's still faithful. Number four, feel the anointing. Number four, feel the anointing. William Branham, Oral Roberts, these guys would feel the anointing. There's times that I know that God's working through me to pray for people because I'll feel it in my hands. I, I don't know about other, you know, different people feel different things. The Lord operates through different people, different ways. But I know that God wants to heal people when I feel fire in my hands and I feel fire going up my arm. That's when I know it's time to pray for sick people because I know God's there to heal somebody. Amen? So you feel something. You feel this urgency. I've got to pray for them. I've got to do this. It's important that we are always, our ears are always open and sensitive to the Spirit of God to know when to pray for people. Pray regardless of whether or not you can feel the anointing and let God move it as well. You may not feel it, but still pray and be obedient anyways. Number five, fifth principle is move with compassion. Many times before Jesus ever worked a miracle, he moved with compassion. Can I tell you this? If we get power, but don't have compassion, our ministry will never reflect Jesus. Our ministry cannot reflect Jesus until we are moved with compassion. When we feel people's pain, but we can release what God's put in us. Amen. That's when things change. We got to love people, right? We got to move with compassion. These principles are principles, in other words, sometimes you may have all the faith in the room and you may not, for, to pray for this sick person and they may not get healed in that instant. That's okay. Trust God. How many, t- has everybody, anybody prayed for something and seen God move instantly? Have you seen it take a few weeks and God move? Anybody still praying about something you've been praying about for years and you've not got the answer yet? Have you ever prayed for something and didn't see it happen the way you expected? I believe everybody or most of us in this room can say yes to three of the four or all of the four, right? Don't take God's no as an absolute no. For now, sometimes it might be a delay, right? Sometimes it just might be a delay, but this is what happens. When you turn principles into laws, they backfire. They make you feel like you're incapable, unqualified, and unworthy to pray for people. And you may become feeling like a failure and that God doesn't hear you. He'll hear you when you pray. Wow. Did you get that? Principles. So in other words, for example, I move with compassion, but God didn't move right then. That's okay. Would you be willing to go through 10 people that you didn't see a miracle when you pray for them, but you get to that 11th one and God heal them? How many failed prayers are you willing to go through to get one prayer answered? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read this quote last week. I'm going to read it again. Don't you? Uh, Randy Clark said that the Lord spoke to him when he was preaching. And he was going across this passage of scripture where Jesus was resurrecting the dead. And came across this passage of scripture that said, Don't you dare lower my word to the level of your experience. Don't be an experience-based preacher. Do not create a theology that excuses your lack. Do not create a theology based on experience of not seeing the dead raise their people healed. Preach my word and let people's experience rise to it. Just be obedient, pray in faith, and speak the word. I liked what Gordon Fee said. He said this. He said, we must ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give us the power to work miracles and the power to walk through the darkness when the miracle doesn't come. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm almost dying. You ever been in a situation where you blame God because it didn't happen the way you wanted it to? Some of you need to just... Let God's grace cover you and tell God, I'm sorry for the bitterness that I held inside. You can have offenses in the heart to people, and, and they, they may never know what they've done. Right? I had someone come to me just a couple of weeks ago that they were offended, and I got, and they got onto their son or whatever, and I was just like, I don't, I don't even remember that. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, because sometimes, which I'm forgetful anyways, outside the word of God, I forget everything. <laughs> I'm like the most forgetful person ever. Jessica can testify to that. But you know, outside Jesus, yeah, I forget everything. I don't know why. But anyways, it's like people can be offended. You can be offended in your own imagination. You can create your own storm in your mind and make this whole big thing out of nothing. Right? Right? Sometimes, and you know what you do? You never go to the source and that person that you carry the fence. You go to everybody else around you because you need someone to vent to. And you know what you do? You vent to all them. And this person's over here like, they won't talk to me and I have no idea why. <laughs> they, 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 I took, went to shake their hand and they just walked on and I was just like, what, what was that about? You know, why are they mad at me? I don't know, you know. Until you address stuff and communicate stuff, you'll just stay offended. And that offense brings sickness. that offense torments. And that offense keeps you from going to heaven. Amen. God's quiet on me. Is that okay? Hallelujah. You can create in your own imagination and play this story in your head that the devil made up. And you start living by that story and it destroys you. But I can tell you that the light... The lies, when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. When you believe the lies of Satan, you empower Satan over you. But God's word is faithful and true. And he is a forgiving God. If God can forgive all of us of the sins we've committed, that would, that would be taller than any mountain in this Appalachian area, then why can't we forgive our neighbor? That why can't we accept people and love them? And why can't we move with compassion? And why do we just put a band-aid on and say, it's okay, time heals all wounds. No, it does not. It just gives time either for a really bad blow up or you just stay separated and it self-destructs. What you tolerate will kill you. What you put a band-aid on, you can't put a band-aid on cancer. (laughs) <laughs> you can't put a band-aid on this stuff, man. You got to come to Jesus and find healing. I want to ask these guys to come to music, give you a chance to pray this morning. So I wouldn't be too long, long this morning and be closing this series, the school of prayer out here this morning on this stuff. And no, some of us are tired from the youth retreat, quiet and stuff, but I just felt like a few different things to talk about this morning. Accusation was number one, tolerance, number two, number three, releasing those offenses to God when it doesn't come the way you expect them to. The answer to, the reason for every unanswered prayer is not doubt. It is not doubt, the reason for every unanswered prayer. It'd be like saying Smith Wigglesworth had enough faith to raise the dead but not be healed of kidney stones. Right? Right? I heard a preacher say that one time, and it bugged the far out of me. That you can say, he stood by in the pulpit and said he had enough faith to raise the dead, but he didn't have enough faith to be healed of kidney stones. That makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> that he had enough faith to pray for everybody else but himself. doesn't make any sense. No sense. I'm in total disagreement with that. Sometimes you have to go through those dark times to know the grace and the light of God. Amen. I want everyone to stand all across this room. Give you a chance to pray. We're going to do, do like we did last Sunday, but we want to just open the front up to just pray for different needs and people. And if you want to kneel at the altar, that's fine. But there's a couple things that I felt led to do this morning uh, before, we came, before we came in. Um, number one, tolerance. I believe we as a church and as a leadership need to repent for what we've tolerated. In fact, let's do that together. As we want to pray, and then we want to open the altars, and then we want to pray some more. Um, let's repent for what we've tolerated. And if you are in this room, and you've walked in a spirit of accusation, maybe you've accused yourself, accused other people, we're going we're gonna to ask the Lord for forgiveness, and we're going to repent of that. Search our hearts, oh God, and know our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we repent for what we've tolerated. Lord, we repent for what we've tolerated. We repent for the sins of the city that we've tolerated. We repent that any sin in this building, Shh. Jesus. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to OurFathersHouseKY.org.